Kepler. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, this is, this is, um, not, about, um, this is not about an actor standing on stage trying to um, go through a monologue. This is your word, which we know moves the stars, moves the heavens, holds back the darkness, brings life, brings creativity. I thank you for what you're going to do with it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about, we talked from, really, Deuteronomy. We asked the question, what does the Lord require? You remember that? I hope you do. If you didn't, catch it online. But, uh, you know, the, the things that, that, that we talked about and uh, of the, the requirements of God were fear the Lord, be humble, you know, make sure you walk in this way, make sure you love him. And then we, we, we cross-referenced that to John, and we, we recognize the fact that John says, this is how you know you love me, that you keep my commandments, that you do my way, which is found in Deuteronomy, when he says, make sure you serve me and make sure you do what I've commanded you to do. This is how you know you love me. So this love thing actually has to have a response toward God, right? And so we, we saw that, and, and we recognized the fact that in chapter 10 in Deuteronomy, it was kind of like this summary. Moses is given this summary of, I've said all this stuff, and now I'm going to just hit the basic points and give you the overall picture. Well, Paul does that the same way in Romans chapter 8. Are you familiar with the greatest Bible verse in the Bible? I, there's a lot of good ones. But Romans chapter 8 is absolutely amazing if you want to get some great theology. Romans itself is a great book if you want to understand the nature and the character of God. But what we find in chapter 8 is this, this great summary of 5, 6, and 7, and maybe even more, but at least that. And we find Paul writing those things, and, and uh, we, we, we're awakened to the goodness of God. This morning, I, I want to kind of just title the message and give it to you right up front. I want you to understand that God is for us. Could you say that with me? God is for us. God is for me. Say that. God is for me. Say it again. God is for me. <laughs> he is. Now, the question is, do you really buy it? Do you believe the God who speaks to the stars? Do you believe the God who holds the oceans back, who makes sure that we have this landmass? Do you believe that he's really for you? You know, I um, when you start talking about faith, you have to understand that faith only occurs when you don't see what God promises. Faith is, is still believing in the character and the nature of God when you don't see it happening. It's the evidence of things hoped for and the, 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 the thoughts and the belief in things that you don't see yet, the promises of God. That's, that's what faith is. And so we move into faith. And the reason I want to I talk about that is I want to talk about this American Western gospel that we've got and, and, and the things that we hear and and, and what I think is producing people who are becoming apostate, they're actually walking away from the gospel because of a gospel that we're preaching that doesn't have the ability to exist. Because people die. 
We pray for people and they still die. Anybody say amen? amen. Now, and, and then we, what we try to do is we try to formulate our faith and our theology based around the failures of what we see are the promises of God. Do we not? Stephen Vulo said in his message to the men that, I, that I've been compelled about, the great prophet Stephen Vulo, should I add, as he speaks to the men, he's, he, says, he says when he was 10 or, or a young boy in an in a incredibly dysfunctional family where they didn't even know that he wasn't sleeping for two weeks, he said, the God who holds the stars in place, who speaks to the wind and the wind blows, who holds back the ocean, the ancient of days held back darkness when I got into the word of God. From the time I got into the Word and I began to do things His way, the Ancient of Days held back darkness. And he says, I don't care what I see, I don't care what, I just know that the Ancient of Days has always been with me and He always holds back the darkness. He brings victory. He does certain things. So there's this struggle, you know, we, 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 when we see sickness and we see people dying and we see people struggling and we see hardship with people who name the name of Jesus, who make a proclamation, even people who are serving the Lord. I mean, you know they've got faith. You know they've got faith. And then we start saying, well, did they not have enough faith? I mean, I mean, did, did they sin? I mean, why, why did this happen? We, we, we can't get our arms around it. And I just want to tell you today, I, I met with some pastors at Robert's place a couple of weeks ago, and there was a Presbyterian guy there, and he said, you know, the truth of the matter is we just don't know. Now, we're talking about talking about the sovereignty of God, and the truth of the matter is we can't get our arms all around God. If we could, we'd be God. We'd be like him. Now, we are to be transformed in His image, and we're going to see that in just a moment. But what I want to relieve you from is the idea that if you don't see where two people agree and pray over somebody to be healed, and they're not healed, that somehow you've got to explain that away some way, that they didn't have enough faith, or somehow they had done something wrong. Right? There's a whole gospel out there in the Western world that's kind of giving you that feel. And you go, no, 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 no. Is it true? Can we, can we have confidence that when two or more agree on earth, it'll be done on earth as it is in heaven? Can we have that confidence? Absolutely. Can we continue, as James says, to bring people that are sick to the elders and let them lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and they be healed? Yes. Yes, you can. Can, 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 you, can you go out places as a son in the authority that Jesus gave us and expect to see kingdom? Yes. Are you going to see it 100% of the time? No. Jesus did it. He went to Nazareth and he said he didn't do any miracles. Why? Because there wasn't faith. When we take that and we go, well, there must not be faith. Well, I just watched somebody go be with Jesus that had a ton of faith. And not only that, I see just so many things in Scripture, and, and, it, and it makes us have this feeling that either I've got to come up with this theological view of God 
or I can't really believe that God's really for me. It's one or the other because it's certainly hard to be both. Isn't it? Don't you find it difficult when you're asking yourself the question, this, this family leaves the cove. They're, they're in Billy Graham's ministry. There's, there's six kids in the car. It's a big excursion, Cadillac kind of deal, you know? They, they, they look in every way as a person who, who is a son and daughter of God raising their kids in the admonition of the Lord. And a tractor trailer crosses I-26, hits them head on, kills them all. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? See, you know, the, 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 do, do you still believe that God's for them? <laughs> you do. You do. You, do. Do you think, well, they must have done something wrong. There, there had to be somebody in the car headset. <laughs> or if they'd have just had faith, they'd have saw it coming. Or, you know, yeah, whatever. Let me give you some stuff here. There's a man that's born blind in John chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, Teacher, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins? Or his parents' sins. Now, if you look up the Greek, when it, when it, the, the last definition, number four, is that you don't do the laws of God. Number one, two, and three are a different definition, that you don't do the right. Did they not do the right thing? Did they not do the right thing? Did they, did they sin? He says, was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? They didn't even give option number three. It had to be his sin or his parents sin, right? And Jesus said, neither. This guy was blind for the glory of God. That'll mess you up. With the Western gospel that we've got that's out there, that, that's out of balance, that doesn't require faith. All these things are true. We, should we do? Yeah, but God lets different things occur in his sovereignty so that he can do different things. And, and what I want you to understand is your life is not like anybody else's. You're so unique. Everybody is so unique. It's, 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 it is amazing how unique we all are. Lou Engel says this, when God created you, he created a dream and wrapped a body around it. He created a dream and wrapped a body around it. You're unique. There's nothing about you that is going to play out like anybody else. And, and you can't compartmentalize it. You can't come up with this systematic approach towards theology about everybody that God's got a plan for. This is what we know in Romans. He says, all things, say that with me, all things work together for good for those who love God, those who keep in his commandments, those who are called according to his purpose, and you'll see it in just a minute, for them. Those who are doing the way, those who are deuteronomy in it, Deuteronomy, say that really. Deuteronomy-ing it. Yeah, those, that, that. But we're doing the way, we're serving the Lord, right? 
<laughs> we love him, and we're committed to him. We're going we're gonna to see that. I just want to point a couple more things. Now, Jesus answers that neither the, his parents, it is, it is, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Wait a minute. Didn't the devil do it? No, he was born that way. Interesting, isn't it? You know, it's interesting to me that, that Lazarus, you know, Jesus prayed, and he prays out loud so that the people around him could hear it. And he says, you know, this is, I'm not praying, God, because I need to be praying because I've already prayed. I'm ready for this thing. I fasted. I, I know what's going on. I stayed there for two days to let the body get to stinking. And I'm here, and I'm praying this thing because these people need to know that what they're about to see is to bring you glory. I'm doing, do you know that Lazarus died? He died. He got to stinking. And then he rose again, right? From the dead. Correct? You with me? He died again. And didn't raise up in this life. He rose up with the Lord. Right? But he did die. <laughs> and so... And so you see that with this, but here, here's really, really what I, I, I really want you to, to get a hold of. Now, this is New Testament stuff, right? This is after the death and resurrection of Christ. Je this, this particular part is not, but the rest of it is. Jesus, Jesus answers a question uh, 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 to, uh, to Peter. He, he, he's addressing Peter, and he begins to tell Peter, says, listen, you, you've been free. You've been having a good time. You know, you've been doing this and that, and there was a good amount of time. Now, that's not going to be the case. And it says about him, it says about him, he, Jesus speaks these things. Let's, let's pick it up in John 21. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. What kind of death he'd glorify God. He, he, would, he would show people the nature and the character of God. And then Jesus said, now follow me. Now what's really interesting, and what I really want you to hear about your individuality, Peter immediately shifts gears and says, okay, all right, all right, all right, Jesus. <laughs> so I got, it's a rough death, huh? Yeah, now I want you to follow me. Take up your cross, your instrument of death, and let them hate you so bad that they're going to crucify you later on down the road. And you're not going to want to be crucified right side up, so you're going to ask to be crucified upside down because you don't want to be crucified the same way that the Savior is. That's going to happen to you. And, 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 and here's Peter going, all right. Well, if that's going to happen to me, what about, the, what about him? What about John? What about John? Jesus says, you don't worry about John. You let me worry about John. You follow me. Do you know that theologians report that John was boiled in oil and it didn't affect him? Hold it. Wait. Peter was crucified 
upside down. John was boiled in oil like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and it didn't touch him. How come? Let's, let's get a systematic approach to understand that. You're not. Do you still believe he's protector? Do you still believe he's healer? Do you still believe he's our source? Absolutely. He goes to Mary. He says, listen, your cousin Elizabeth, the one who is renowned for being barren, is six months pregnant. And Mary says to the angel of the Lord, to the ministering spirit, how's that to be? And the angel responds, because nothing is impossible with God. Why Mary? Why Elizabeth? You're never going to know. You know, Job never knew, but the presence of God was enough for him in the end. In the end. So... <laughs> Y'all feel like I'm passionate about this yet? <laughs> Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This, this, this conclusion, this summary, this wrapping up of the first chapters of, of, of Romans. And we know, he says, and we know, us who are born again, us who are sons and daughters, that God causes. Can you say that with me? That God causes. Say it again. God causes everything. Say it. Everything to work together for good of those who love God. Now listen. See, we mess this thing up. We got this Western gospel mentality that says all you got to do is, is, is confess and believe in your heart. Well, that is true. Believing in your heart means that you actually love God. Believing in your heart means that you really want to understand His Word. Believing in your heart means that you love God to the point where you're willing to do what He commands, not that you acknowledge Him. Do y'all see the difference? It's not an acknowledgement of Jesus. It's the Deuteronomy thing. It's the, it's the fear in the Lord. It's the committing to his way. It's the loving him with all your heart, serving him with all your heart, making sure that you make sure that you do all that he has commanded you. It's this relationship with God. And what he's saying right here, all this stuff, this new covenant stuff that I'm giving you, it, he, God is going to cause everything to work together for good for those who keep his commandments. We want to separate all this out and give it this, this Western love thing. And God says, this is how you know you love me, that you're willing to commit to my way. And then he says this, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's not this acknowledgement of Jesus, I'm going to go do my own thing and expect kingdom to come. I'm in authority, I'm going to go do my own thing, and I'm going to expect kingdom to come. That does not happen. 
When you love the Lord, when you commit to his way, when you humble yourself before him, when you take up your cross and you follow him, his way, his spirit, his great grace in your life will work everything for good when you're doing what he purposed you to do before the foundation of the world and nothing else. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on. That's good. It's what God says in his word. He says, listen, let me tell you. God is going to work. He's going to do something marvelous in the people who love him and do what his purpose is for them. For God knew his people in advance. <laughs> he was sovereign. And he chose them. He chose them to do what? To become like his son. What is the purpose of God for you? To be transformed into the likeness of his son. To be called to his way. To humble yourself. To be transformed into his image. And when you're being, being transformed, he says, I will take everything and bring glory to my name through it. It doesn't matter. Watch what he says. It's going to get even better. <laughs> it's amazing. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he chose you. He called you to himself. He, he's drawing you to him. And having called him and drawn you, he gave you the right to stand with him. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. He gave them his glory, his image. His nature, he, he's, he's, if you're pursuing, if you're loving, if you're committed to his way, if you're fearing him, then you're going be, to be becoming like him. You're going to be being transformed into the likeness of God. Now, you've heard me say it over and over and over again. I'm, I don't like to see Christians going door to door. What I like to see Christians doing is being transformed. We got way too many people that aren't being transformed that take the word of God, beat people over the head with it instead of loving them like God loved them. And, and just saying, listen, I've got a testimony of God's goodness in my life. I, I was a 10-year-old boy in the ancient of days held back the darkness, and he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. And all of the promises are yes and amen. I don't care whether I see them or not. And I don't have to have a theology about God or an understanding of who he is in his fullness to believe that he holds back darkness, that he purposes stuff for me, that he protects me, that he's my healer, that he's my sovereign God. And so he, he says, I'm, you're in right standing with the, with the Almighty, and he wants to give you Jesus' glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? 
With you, it's impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. When he's talking, I want you to, he, he, he wants to give you everything else. Who's he giving that to? Those who love him and are committed to the purpose that he has for them. That's who this is talking about. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen from his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? There's now, it's this, this chapter starts with, there is, there, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who shall condemn you? Nobody can condemn you. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised alive for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, interceding for you and me, giving, give, saying, God, you see that? You know, God, God, God. What do you, you know, what's going on there? God, what do you want me to communicate? How do you want me to send angels? Holy Spirit, talk, speak. God, give them, draw them to us so they can hear and see what you're doing so glory can come in that situation that looks bad. Now, what I want you to see here is in this Romans chapter, I, I want you to see what he says because it just flies in the face that if you're a Christian, you know, nothing's supposed to happen to you. You know, you're not supposed to get sick. No, no, you know, all, all that stuff, which we know came into the world because of sin, right? It's still here. But we've got this image that if we're right with God, if we're, if we're doing the right thing, if we're responding by faith, then nothing bad is going to happen to us. And when it does, it has to be our fault because somehow it, it, it would become God's fault if it wasn't our fault because God's not like this. And God's saying, wait a minute. You know, we live in this fallen world. And no matter what happens to you, if you're loving me and you're doing what I created you to do, then I'll bring good out of this. I'll bring glory even and let me read these things. <laughs> so Jesus is sitting there pleading for us, but God chose what is foolish in the world, that's you, to shame the wise, that's not you. <laughs> that's good, isn't it? Say that's great preaching. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not me either, y'all, so. So God chose what is weak, that's you, in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse 35. Y'all ready for this? I'm not sure you are. <laughs> Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? What's the obvious answer? No. Does it mean he no longer loves us? Ah! If we have trouble, 
Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry and financially in trouble or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. And we're being slaughtered like sheep. No, he loves us anyway, despite all these things. An overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever, ever, ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor hell, nor the devil. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation. And we forget that God created Lucifer. God created hell. He created all those hellish angels. There's no created thing. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, <laughs> instead of praying... Let me read what uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said. He said, The wise man in the storm prays God not for safety from danger, but for deliverance from fear. It is the storm within which endangers us, not the storm without. It, 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 it is our, our belief and our trust in Jesus' ability to take any circumstance we find in our life, Death, hellish forces coming at us, you know, whatever it might be, financial trouble in a moment that the glory of the Lord is going to come in that as we believe and wait on the promises of God. He says he works all things for good. He's, got, he's going to bring glory in it if you respond right. So quit focusing on why you're in the circumstance and start focusing on the one who can actually deliver you and bring you into the image of Jesus Christ through the circumstances that you're facing. Amen. What he wants to do is transform us in the midst of trouble. Kirk Franklin says this, God may allow us at times to hit rock bottom to show us he's the rock at the bottom. Interesting, isn't it? Now, does God want us to prosper? Yes. Does he bring victory? Yes. Are we more than conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus? Yes. It doesn't look American. It's not Western. It's kingdom. He brings glory. You look more like him. You show the world that you're like him. They see him in you. 
They look at you and go, how in the world can somebody have peace in the midst of they going, go, going through? And, 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 and the obvious answer is you believe in the prince of peace. He says, when you go through hard times, I'll give you peace when it doesn't make any sense. So sometimes he lets us go through life's hard things to show his nature. You know, his love, I love this part about his love. His love is long-suffering. I love that word. I didn't used to know what it meant. I'd read that in the scripture and go, what in the heck is long-suffering? Well, it's really easy. You suffer a long time. <laughs> he suffers a lot. He says his love for you suffers with you a long time. What's his suffering from? You not getting it. If you get it, he's not suffering. If you don't get it, he's suffering. You're actually grieving the Holy Spirit is what it says, right? He's long-suffering. His love is long-suffering. How about yours for him? When things aren't perfect, when they're not real clean, when tribulation comes, when hardship comes, when death comes to people that you love, when there are things that happen that you can't explain, are you long-suffering with the promises of God? Do you still believe or, or do, you, do you not know the word or the nature of the character of God enough to say what Stephen said when he was 10, and that is, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I get sick. I don't care if I die of cancer at a young age. I don't care if I have a, I don't care what happens to me. My God, the Ancient of Days, protected me and held back the darkness when I was 10, and he's been with me ever since. I've seen the hand of God on my life like crazy since I was 10. And there's no way that you're going to get me to move from that thought process of my God is able. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to a way of thinking about him to try to explain him away. I'm just going to serve him. And all his promises are yes and amen. There's not a founder of the faith that's written in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 that, that says they saw any promise come true. They didn't see them. None of them. But they believed. They were fathers of faith. No matter what I see, I believe. All creation screams of the sovereignty of God. So the call to me is to love him. <laughs> the call to me is Deuteronomy. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> Fear. Commit to his way. Love him. Serve him. Make sure that you do all that he says. And that response will make your way prosperous because the Lord works everything for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So my response to the Lord is, God, I believe I don't know about you. I believe God. Help my unbelief.
I have faith, God. Give me more faith, Lord. Give me long-suffering. Give me patience. Let me, let me know you. We just had, just recently, we just had a group of the young people, and they made a declaration, and I love the declaration. They declared, we don't know the word. Our generation doesn't know the word. You don't know the word. And it's dangerous even to operate in spiritual gifts if you don't know the word. You've got to know the word. The word is Jesus. Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal what Jesus said. It's to remind you the word. It's not to reveal it to you. It's to remind you what you've already taken in, what you've already eaten. Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we have the inerrant scriptures, and I'm going to tell you right now, the more you study, the more you're going to find out they're inerrant, unless you try to make excuses for your God. And then you're going to find that you're not going to build anything on anything that's ever going to stand. If you build your life on the rock of his word, when the storm comes, when the waves come, and they're coming, you'll be able to stand because you know the word. So do you love the Lord? I asked that last week. I'm asking again this week. Do you love God? Well, if you love him, you know his word. End of story. No excuses. Otherwise, we're just acknowledging him. Because it's impossible to keep his commandments if we don't know them. That's not accusational. That is not intended at all to bring shame. That is not intended to make you feel bad about yourself. Matter of fact, if you do, then you're not hearing from heaven because God is saying to you and me, I love you. I want you to get a grip on who I am because I am for you. I am not against you. And if I'm wooing you, I'll also do it. So just come. Just come. Just come and do. Come and be. Come and, 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 and believe the Word of God. If you're 35 and less, if you're 35 and less, raise your hand. Stand up for me. Yeah, I, I, I got singles that stood up last week, and I was shocked. By the way, singles, we're starting a singles ministry next year. We're, we're going to go hard after it. So just to let you know. And some other things, but that's going to be one of them. So you're 35 and under. I want to just encourage you right now. Your generation needs people who know the Word of God. Not that are guessing. Not that have formulate these cool ideas about God. Not those who have adopted the Western gospel. But those who rightly divide the Word of God and aren't scared to actually do it and be transformed by it. They're not trying to, to get something to prop themselves up. They're trying to serve their God to the best of their ability. So I just encourage you, know the Word. Do whatever it takes. When I got saved at 28 years old, I read the New Testament three times in 30 days. 
Because I knew what I had done all my life did not work. And I wanted to discover what God said. I encourage you. Discover what God says. Let it be more valuable to you than television. Let it be more valuable to you than going out. What you believe is what you do. What you, what you believe in your heart is what comes out of you. This is how you know you love me. You do, you do what I say. You do what I say. Cool. Let's pray for these. Let's pray for these. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this generation. Won't you, if they're around you, just lay hands on them. Go ahead. Lay hands on them. That'd be great. That'd be great. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this younger generation. Go ahead and pray out loud with me. Don't just let me pray. Go ahead and pray for them. Father, I thank you for the younger generation. I ask you, God, I ask you, God, they'd have a heart for you. I pray that they wouldn't be swayed by great communicators who are preaching a Western gospel. I pray that they would actually be like the Bereans, discover what your word says, and test every speaker of whether they're, whether they're saying the word of God. This age of communication, God, is, is so important, God, that we know your word so that we can test and know that it's true. I pray for this generation to do that. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name for an anointing. We just say more, Lord. Just say it. More, God. More, God. I pray for more. More power, God. More discipline, Lord. God, I pray for time. I pray for schedules. I ask you to open up a way. Give vision on how this is going to be accomplished in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anybody said amen?